levels of consciousness freud's theory considers the sources and consequences of emotional conflicts and the way people deal with these in doing so it visualizes the human mind in terms of three levels of consciousness the first level is conscious which includes the thoughts feelings and actions of which people are aware the second level is preconscious which includes mental activity of which people may become aware only if they attend to it closely the third level is unconscious which includes mental activity that people are unaware of according to freud the unconscious is a reservoir of instinctive or animal drive it also stores all ideas and wishes that are concealed from conscious awareness perhaps because they lead to psychological conflicts most of these arise from sexual desires which cannot be expressed openly and therefore are repressed people constantly struggle to find either some socially acceptable ways to express unconscious impulses or to keep those impulses away from being expressed unsuccessful resolution of conflicts result in abnormal behavior analysis of forgetting mispronunciations jokes and dreams produce us with a means to approach the unconscious freud developed a therapeutic procedure called psychoanalysis the basic goal of the psychoanalytic therapy is to bring the repressed unconscious materials to consciousness thereby helping people to live in a more self-aware and integrated manner structures of personality according to freud's theory the primary structural elements of personality are three that is id ego and superego they reside in the unconscious as forces and they can be inferred from the ways people behave let us remember that id ego and superego are concepts not real physical structures we will discuss these terms in some detail id it is the source of a person's instinctual energy it deals with immediate gratification of primitive needs sexual desires and aggressive impulses it works on the pleasure principle which assumes that people seek pleasure and try to avoid pain freud considered much of a person's instinctual energy to be sexual and the rest as aggressive it does not care for moral values society or other individuals on the other hand ego grows out of it and seeks to satisfy an individual's instinctual needs in accordance with reality it works by the reality principle and often directs the id towards more appropriate ways of behaving for example the id of a boy who wants an ice cream cone tells him to grab the cone and eat it His ego tells him that if he grabs the cone without asking he may be punished working on the reality principle the boy knows that the best way to achieve gratification is to ask for permission to eat the cone thus 
while the id is demanding unrealistic and walk according to pleasure principle the ego is patient reasonable and walks by the reality principle super ego the best way to characterize the super ego is to think of it as the moral branch of the mental functioning the super ego tells the id and the ego whether gratification in a particular instance is ethical it helps control the id by internalizing the parental authority through the process of socialization for example if a boy sees and wants an ice cream cone and asks his mother for it his superego will indicate that his behavior is morally correct this approach towards obtaining the ice cream will not create guilt fear or anxiety in the boy thus in terms of individual functioning freud thought of unconscious as being composed of three competing forces in some people the id is stronger than the superego in others it is the superego the relative strength of the id ego and superego determines each person's stability freud also assumed that it is energized by two instinctual forces called life instinct and death instinct he paid less attention to the death instinct and focused more on the life or sexual instinct the instinctual life force that energizes the id is called libido it walks on the pleasure principle and seeks immediate gratification ego defense mechanism according to freud much of human behavior reflects an attempt to deal with or escape from anxiety thus how the ego deals with anxiety largely determines how people behave freud believed that people avoid anxiety mainly by developing defense mechanism that try to defend the ego against the awareness of the instinctual needs thus Defense mechanism is a way of reducing anxiety by distorting reality. Although some defense against anxiety is normal and adaptive, people who use these mechanism to such an extent that reality is truly distorted develop various forms of maladjustment. Freud has described many different kinds of defense mechanism. The most important is repression in which anxiety provoking behaviors or thoughts are totally dismissed by the unconscious when people repress a feeling or desire they become totally unaware of that wish or desire thus when a person says i do not know why i did that some repressed feeling or desire is expressing itself other major defense mechanisms are projection denial reaction formation and rationalization in projection people attribute their own traits to others thus a person who has strong aggressive tendencies may see other people as acting in an excessively aggressive way towards her him in denial a person totally refuses to accept reality thus someone suffering from hiv aids may altogether deny her his illness in the reaction formation a person defends against anxiety by adopting behaviors 
opposite to her his true feelings a person with strong sexual urges who channels her his energy into religious fervor presents a classical example of reaction formation in rationalization a person tries to make unreasonable feeling or behavior seem reasonable and acceptable for example when a student buys a set of new pens after doing poorly in an examination she may try to rationalize her his behavior by asserting i will do much better with these pens people who use defense mechanisms are often unaware of doing so each are often unaware of doing so each defense mechanism is a way for the ego to deal with the uncomfortable feeling produced by anxiety however freud's ideas about the role of defense mechanism have been questioned for example his claim that projection reduces anxiety and stress has not found support in several studies in the next audio we will be discussing stages of personality development psychoanalytic theories psychoanalytic theories describe development as primarily unconscious beyond awareness and heavily colored by emotions psychoanalytic theorists emphasize that behavior is merely a surface characteristic and that a true understanding of development requires analyzing the symbolic meanings of the behavior and the deep inner workings of the mind psychoanalytic theorists also stress that early experiences with parents extensively shape developments these character are highlighted in the psychoanalytic theory of sigmund freud 1856 to 1939 sigmund freud was the pioneering architect of psychoanalytic theory freud's theory as freud listened to probed and analyzed his patients he became convinced that their problems were the result of experiences early in life he thought that as children grow up their focus of pleasure and sexual impulses shifts from the mouth to the anus and eventually to the genitals as a result we go through five stages of psychosexual development oral anal phallic latency and genital oral stage that is birth to one and a half years infants pleasure centers on the mouth anal stage 1.5 to 3 years of age child's pleasure focuses on the anus phallic stage child's pleasure focuses on the genitals at the age of 3 to 6 years latency stage 6 years till puberty child represses sexual interests and develops social and intellectual skills genital stage a time of sexual 
reawakening source of sexual pleasure becomes someone outside the family this stage is one of the longest duration till puberty onwards as claimed by freud it is determined by the way we resolve conflicts between sources of pleasure at each stage and the demands of reality personality is determined by the conflicts and their resolutions freud's theory has been significantly revised by a number of psychoanalytic theorists many of today's psychoanalytic theorists maintain that freud overemphasized sexual instincts they place more emphasis on cultural experiences as determinant of an individual's development unconscious thought remains a central theme but thought plays a greater role than freud envisioned next we will outline the ideas of an important revisionist of freud's ideas eric erickson so erickson's theory description of eight stages of human development each stage consists of a unique developmental task that confronts individual with a crisis that must be resolved eric erickson 1902 to 1994 recognized freud's contributions but believed that freud misjudged some important dimensions of human development for one thing erickson 1950 and 1968 said we develop in psychosocial stages rather than in psychosexual stages as freud maintained according to freud the primary motivation of human behavior is sexual in nature according to erickson according to erickson it is social and reflects a desire to affiliate with other people According to Freud our basic personality is shaped in the first 5 years of life According to Erickson developmental changes occurs throughout the lifespan thus in terms of the early versus later experience issues described earlier in the chapter Freud viewed early experiences as far more important than later experiences whereas Erickson emphasized the importance of both early and later experiences in erickson's theory eight stages of development unfold as we go through life at each stage a unique developmental task confronts individual with a crisis that must be resolved according to erickson this crisis is not a catastrophe but a turning point marked by both increased vulnerability and enhanced potential the more successfully an individual resolves the crisis the healthier development will be trust versus mistrust is erickson's first psychological stage which is experienced in the first year of life trust in infancy sets the stage for a lifelong expectation that the world will be a good and pleasant place to live autonomy versus shame and doubt in erickson's second stage this stage occurs in latent infancy and toddlerhood that is 1 to 
three years of age. After gaining trust in their caregivers, infants begin to discover that their behavior is their own. They start to assert their sense of independence or autonomy. They realize their will. In infants and toddlers are restrained too much or punished too harshly, they are likely to develop a sense of shame and doubt. Initiative versus guilt. Erickson's third stage of development occurs during the preschooler age. As preschool children encounter a widening social world, they face new challenges that require active, purposeful, responsible behavior. Feelings of guilt may arise, though if the child is irresponsible and is made to feel too anxious. Industry versus inferiority is Erickson's fourth developmental stage. Occurring approximately in the elementary school years, children now need to direct their energy towards mastering knowledge and intellectual skill. The negative outcome is that the child may develop a sense of inferiority, feeling incompetent and unproductive. During the adolescent years, individuals face finding out who they are, what they are all about, and where they are going in life. This is Erickson's fifth developmental stage, identity versus identity confusion. If adolescents explore roles in a healthy manner and arrive at a positive path to follow in life, then they achieve a positive identity. If not, identity confusion reigns. Intimacy versus isolation is Erickson's sixth developmental stage, which individual experience during the early adulthood years. At this time, individual face the developmental task of forming intimate relationship. If young adults form healthy friendships and an intimate relationship with another, intimacy will be achieved. If not, isolation will result. Generativity versus Stagnation Erickson's seventh developmental stage occurs during middle adulthood. By generativity, Erickson means primarily a concern for helping the younger generation to develop and lead successful life. The feeling of having done nothing to help the next generation is stagnation. Integrity versus despair is Erickson's eighth and the last or final stage of development, which individuals experience in late adulthood. During this stage, a person reflects on the past. If the person's life review reveals a life well spent, integrity will be achieved. If not, the retrospective glances likely will yield doubt or gloom. The despair Erickson described. Now we will discuss Erickson's theory again in the chapter on socio-emotional development in caring connection. Culture and ethnicity. So, if we will discuss Erickson's stages, 
with developmental period integrity versus despair late adulthood that is 60s onward generativity versus stagnation middle adulthood 40s 50s intimacy versus isolation early adulthood 20s 30s identity versus identity confusion adolescence 10 to 20 years industry versus inferiority middle and late childhood elementary school years 6 years to puberty initiative versus guilt early childhood preschool years 3 to 5 years autonomy versus shame and doubt infancy 1 to 3 years trust versus mistrust infancy first year of the life strategies for parenting educating and interacting with children based on erickson's theory parents child care specialists teachers counselors youth worker and other adults can adopt positive strategies for interacting with children based on erickson's theory these strategies include the following first nature nurture infants and develop their trust then encourage and monitor toddler's autonomy because infants depend on others for their needs it is critical for caregivers to consistently provide positive attentive care for infants infants who experience consistently positive care feel safe and secure sensing that people are reliable and loving which leads them to develop trust in the world caregivers who neglect or abuse infants are likely to have infants who develop a sense of mistrust in their world after having developed a sense of trust in their world children moving from infancy into the toddler years should be given the freedom to explore it toddler whose caregivers are too restrictive or harsh are likely to develop shame and doubt sensing that they can't adequately do things on their own as toddlers gain more independence caregivers need to monitor their exploration and curiosity because there are many things that can harm them such as running into the street and touching a hot stove second encourage initiative in young children children should be given a great deal of freedom to explore their world they should be allowed to choose some of the activities they engage in if their request for doing certain activities are reasonable the requests should be honored children need to be provided exciting materials that will stimulate their imagination young children at this stage love to play it not only benefits their socio emotional development but also serves as an important medium for their cognitive growth criticism should be kept to a minimum so that children will not develop high levels of guilt and anxiety young children are going to make lots of mistake and have lots of 
spills they need good models far more than harsh critics their activities in environment should be structured and success rather than failure by giving them developmentally appropriate tasks for example young children get frustrated when they have to sit for long periods of time and do academic paper and pencil tasks promote industry in elementary school children is the third use it was erickson's hope that teachers could provide an atmosphere in which children would become passionate about learning in erickson's word teachers should mildly but firmly coerce children into the adventure of finding out that they can learn to accomplish things and they themselves would never have thought they could do in elementary school children thirst to know most arrive at elementary school stabbed in curiosity and a motivation to master tasks in erickson's view it is important for teachers to nourish these motivation for mastery and curiosity teachers need to challenge students without overwhelming them be firm in requiring students to be productive but not be overly critical and especially be tolerant of honest mistakes and make sure that every student has opportunity for many successes fourth stimulate identity exploration in adolescence it is important to recognize that the adolescent's identity is multidimensional aspects include vocational goals intellectual achievement and interests in the hobbies sports music and other areas adolescents can be asked to write essay about such dimensions exploring who they are and what they want to do with their lives they should be encouraged to think independently and to freely express their views which stimulates their self exploration adolescents can also be encouraged to listen to debates on political and ideological issues which stimulates them to examine different perspectives another good strategy is to encourage adolescents to talk with a school counselor about career option as well as aspects of their identity teachers can invite people in different careers to come into the classroom and talk with their students about their work regardless of student's grade level in each of the strategy above it could be easily visible what erickson called the vulnerability and the potential with which the adult is trying to help the child cognitive theories whereas psychoanalytic theories stress the importance of the unconscious cognitive theories emphasize conscious thoughts three important cognitive theories are piaget's cognitive developmental theory vygotsky's sociocultural cognitive theory and information processing theory piaget's cognitive development theory piaget's 
theory states that children actively construct their understanding of the world and go through four stages of cognitive development. Two processes underline the four stages of development in Piaget's theory, organization and adaptation. To make sense of our world, we organize our experiences. For example, we separate important ideas from less important ideas and we connect one idea to another. In addition to organizing our observations and experiences, we adapt adjusting to new environmental demands. Piaget also held that we go through four stages in understanding the world. Four stages of Piaget's cognitive theory are First, sensory motor stage, birth to two years of the age. The infant constructs an understanding of the world by coordinating sensory experiences with physical actions. An infant progresses from reflexive instinctual action at birth to the beginning of symbolic thought towards the end of the stage. Second stage is pre-operational stage, two to seven years of the age. The child begins to represent the world with words and images. These words and images reflect increased symbolic thinking and go beyond the connection of sensory information and physical action. Third stage is concrete operational stage 7 to 11 years of age. The child can now reason logically about concrete events and classify objects into different sets. Last and the fourth stage is formal operational stage 11 years of age through adulthood. The adolescent reasons in more abstract, idealistic and logical way. The sensory motor stage which lasts from birth to about two years of age is the first Piagian stage. In this stage, infants construct an understanding of the world by coordinating sensory experiences such as seeing and hearing with physical motoric actions, hence the term sensory motor. The pre-operational stage, which lasts from approximately 2 to 7 years of age, is Piaget's second stage. In this stage, children begin to go beyond simply connecting sensory information with physical action and represent the world with words, images and drawings. However, according to Piaget, preschool children still lack the ability to perform what he calls operations, which are internalized mental actions that allow children to do mentally what they previously could only do physically. For example, if you imagine putting two sticks together to see whether they would be as long as another stick without actually moving the stick, you are performing a concrete operation. The concrete operational stage, 
which lasts from approximately 7 to 11 years of age is the third piagian stage in this stage children can perform operations that involve objects and they can reason logically as long as reasoning can be applied to specific or concrete examples for instance concrete operational thinkers cannot imagine the steps necessary to complete an algebraic equation which is too abstract for thinkers at this stage of development the formal operational stage which appears between the age of 11 and 15 and continues through adulthood is piaget's fourth and final stage in this stage individuals move beyond concrete experiences and think in abstract and more logical terms as part of thinking more abstractly adolescents develop images of ideal circumstances they might think about what an ideal parent is like and compare their parents to this ideal standard they begin to entertain possibilities for the future and are fascinated with what they can be in solving problems they become more systematic developing hypotheses about why something is happening the way it is and then testing these hypotheses the preceding discussion is a brief introduction of piaget's theory it is provided here along with the theories jean piaget the famous swiss developmental psychologist changed the way we think about the development of children's mind cognitive theory we owe to piaget the entire field of children's cognitive development but a number of criticism of his theory have been also existing now we will discuss vygotsky socio cultural cognitive theory in next, next audio stages of personality development freud claims that the core aspects of personality are established early remain stable throughout life and can be changed only with great difficulty he proposed a five stage theory of personality also called psychosexual development problems encountered at any stage may arrest development and have long term effects on a person's life a brief description of these stages is oral stage a newborn's instincts are focused on the mouth this is the infant's primary pleasure seeking center it is through the mouth that the baby obtains food that reduces hunger the infant achieves oral gratification through feeding <coughs> thumb sucking biting and babbling it is during these early months that people's basic feelings about the world are established thus the freud and adult who considers the world a bitter place probably had difficulty during the oral stage of development anal stage it is found that around ages 2 and 3 The child learns to respond to some of the demands of the society. One of the principal demands made by parents is that the child learns to control the bodily functions of urination and defecation. Most most children at this age experience pleasure 
in moving their bowels. The anal areas of the body becomes the focus of certain pleasurable feelings. This stage establishes the basis for conflict between the id and the ego and between the desire for babyish pleasure and demands for adult control behavior. Phallic stage This stage focuses on the genitals. At around ages 4 and 5, children begin to realize the differences between males and females. They become aware of sexuality and the sexual relationship between their parents. During this stage, the male child experiences the Oedipus complex, which involves love for the mother, hostility towards the father, and the consequent fear of punishment or castration by the father. Oedipus was a Greek king who unknowingly killed his father and then married his mother. A major developmental achievement of this stage is the resolution of the Oedipus complex. This takes place by accepting his father's relationship with his mother and modeling his own behavior after his father. For girls, the Oedipus complex called the Electra complex offer after Electra, a Greek character who induced her brother to kill their mother, follows a slightly different course by attaching her love to the father, a girl tries to symbolically marry him and raise a family. When she realizes that this is unlikely, she begins to identify with her mother and copy her behavior as a means of getting or sharing in her father's affection. The critical component in the resolving the Oedipus complex is the development of identification with the same-sex parents. In other words, boys give up sexual feelings for their mothers and begin to see their fathers as role models rather than as rivals. Girls give up the sexual desires for their father and identify with their mother. Latency stage This stage lasts from about 7 years until puberty. During this period, the child continues to grow physically, but sexual urges are relatively inactive. Much of the child's energy is channeled into social or achievement-related activities. Genital stage During this stage, the person attains maturity in psychosexual development. The sexuality fears and repressed feelings of earlier stages are once again exhibited. People learn to deal with members of the opposite sex in a socially and sexually mature way. However, if the journey towards this stage is marked by excessive stress or overindulgence, it may cause fixation to an earlier stage of development. Freud's theory also postulates that as children proceed from one stage to another stage of development, they seem to adjust their views of the world. Failure of a child to pass successful through a stage leads to fixation to that stage. In this situation, the child's development gets arrested at an earlier stage. For example, a child who does not pass successfully through the phallic stage fails to resolve the Oedipal complex and may still feel hostile towards the parent of the same sex. 
this failure may have serious consequences for the child's life such a boy may come to consider that men are generally hostile and may wish to relate to females in a dependable relationship regression is also a likely outcome in such situation it takes a person back to an earlier stage regression occurs when a person's resolution of problems at any stage of the development is less than adequate in this situation people display behaviors typical to a less mature stage of development post freudian approaches a number of theories further developed their ideas following freud freud some worked with him and then moved on to develop their own versions of the psychoanalytic theory these theories have been called neoanalytic or post freudian in order to differentiate their work from freud's these theories are characterized by less prominent roles to sexual and aggressive tendencies of the id and expansion of the concept of ego the human quality of creativity competence and problem solving abilities are emphasized some of these theories are carl jung's aims and aspiration behavioral approach eric erickson's theory alfred adler's theory karen horney's optimism etc hi listeners today we'll be talking about uh, the topic from sociology which is uh, very important for us as a human being to understand in this era this is about social exclusion first social inequality and exclusion are social because they are not about individual but about the group about the society second they are social in the sense that they are not economic they are social although there is usually a strong link between social and economic inequality third they are systematic and structured as there is a definite pattern to social inequality these three broad senses of the social will be explored briefly social inequality in every society some people have a greater share of valued resources like money property education health and power than others these social resources can be divided into three forms of capital economic capital in the form of material assets and income cultural capital such as educational qualifications and status and social capital in the form of networks of contacts and social associations bourdieu 1986 gave this classification of three forms of capital what were these three forms economic capital cultural capital and social capital often these three forms of capital overlap and one can be converted into the other for example a person from a well off family economically capital can afford expensive higher education and so can acquire cultural or educational capital 
someone with influential relatives and friends that is social capital may through access to good advice recommendations or information manage to get a well paid job when we talk about inequality patterns on a of unequal access to social resources are commonly called social inequality some social inequality reflects innate differences between individuals for example their varying abilities and efforts someone may be endowed with exceptional intelligence or talent or may have worked very hard to achieve their wealth and status however by and large social inequalities not the outcome of innate or natural differences between people but is product by the society in which they live sociologists use the term social stratification to refer to a system by which categories of people in a society are ranked in a hierarchy this hierarchy then shapes people's identity and experiences their relations with others as well as their access to resources and opportunities now there are three key principles which help us to understand social stratification social stratification is a characteristic of society not simply a function of individual differences social stratification is a society wide system that unequally distributes social resources among categories of people in the most of uh, like techni- technologically primitive societies hunting and gathering societies for instance little was produced so only rudimentary social stratification could exist in more technologically advanced societies where people produce a surplus over and above their basic needs however social resources are unequally distributed to various social categories regardless of people's innate individual abilities second social stratification persists over generations it is closely linked to the family and to the inheritance of social resources from the generation to the next a person's social position is ascribed that is children assume the social position of their parents within the caste system birth dictates occupational opportunities a dalit is likely to be confined to traditional occupations such as agricultural labor scavenging or leather work with little chance of being able to get high paying white collar or professional work the ascribed aspect of social inequality is reinforced by the practice of endogamy that is marriage is usually restricted to members of the same caste ruling out the potential for blurring caste lines through intermarriage third social uh, stratification is supported by patterns of belief or ideology no system of social stratification is likely to persist over generation unless it is widely viewed as being either fair or inevitable the caste system for example is justified in terms of the opposition of purity and pollution with the brahmins designated as the most superior 
and Dalit as the most inferior by virtue of their birth and occupation. Not everyone, though, thinks of a system of inequality as legitimate. Typically, people with the great social privileges express the strongest support for system of stratification such as caste and race. Those who have experienced the exploitation and humiliation of being at the bottom of the hierarchy are most likely to challenge it. Often we discuss social exclusion and discrimination as though they pertain to differential economic resources alone. This, however, is only particularly true People often face discrimination and exclusion because of their gender, religion, ethnicity, language, caste, and disability. Thus, women from a privileged background may face social harassment in public places. A middle-class professional from a minority religious or ethnic group may find it difficult to get accommodation in a middle-class colony, even in a metropolitan city. People often harbor prejudices about other social groups. Each of us grows up as a member of community from which we acquire idea, not just about our community or our caste or class or gender, but also about others. Often these ideas reflect prejudices. Prejudices refers to preconceived opinions or attitudes held by members of one group towards another. The word literally means pre-judgment. That is, an opinion formed in advance of any familiarity with the subject. Before considering any available evidence, a prejudiced person's preconceived views are often based on hearsay rather than on direct evidence and are resistant to change even in the face of new information. Prejudice may be either positive or negative. Although the word is generally used in negative prejudgments, it can also apply to favorably uh, prejudgment. For example, a person may be prejudiced in favor of members of his or her own caste or group and without any evidence, believe them to be superior to members of other castes or group. Prejudices are often grounded in stereotypes, fixed and inflexible characterization of a group of people. Stereotypes are often applied to ethnic and racial groups and to women. In a country such as India, which was colonized for a long time, many of these stereotypes are partly colonial creations. Some communities were characterized as martial races, some others as effeminate or cowardly, yet others as untrustworthy. In both English and Indian fictional writings, we often encounter an entire group of people classified as lazy or cunning. It may indeed be true that some individuals are sometimes lazy or cunning, brave or cowardly. But such a general statement is true of individuals in every group. Even for such individuals, it is not true all the time. The same individual may be both lazy and hardworking at different times. Stereotype fix whole group into single. 
homogeneous categories. They refuse to recognize the variation across individuals and across context or across time. They treat an entire community as though it were a single person and with a single all-encompassing trait or characteristic. If prejudice describes attitudes and opinions, discrimination refers to actual behavior towards another group or individual. Discrimination can be seen in practices that disqualify members of one group from opportunities open to others. As when a person is refused to a job because of their gender or religion, discrimination can be very hard to prove because it may not be open or explicitly stated. Discriminatory behavior or practices may be justifiable reason rather than prejudice. For example, the person who is refused a job because of their caste may be told that they were less qualified than others and that the selection was done purely on merit. In next section, I'll be talking about social exclusion, which refers to ways in which individuals may become cut off from full environment in the wider society. It focuses attention on broad range of factors that prevent individuals or groups from having opportunities open to the majority of the population. In order to live in a full and active life, individuals must not uh, only be able to feed, clothe and house themselves, but should be also having access to essential goods and services such as education, health, transportation, insurance, social security, banking and even access to the pol uh, police or judiciary. Social exclusion is not accidental but systematic. It is the result of structural features of society. It is important to note that social exclusion is involuntary. That is, exclusion is practiced regardless of the wishes of those who are excluded. For example, rich people are never found sleeping on the pavements or under bridges like thousands of homeless poor people in cities and towns. This does not mean that the rich are being excluded from access to payments and park benches because they could certainly gain access to it they wanted to, but they choose not to. Social exclusion is sometimes wrongly justified by the same logic. It is said that the excluded group itself does not wish to participate. The truth of such an argument is not obvious when exclusion is preventing access to something desirable as different from something clearly understandable like sleeping on the pavement. Prolonged experience of discrimination or insulting behavior often produces a reaction on the part of excluded who then stop trying for inclusion. For example, upper caste Hindu communities have often denied entry into temple for the lower caste and especially the Dalits. After decades of such treatment, Dalits may build their own temple or convert to another religion like Buddhism, Christianity or Islam. After they do this, they may no longer desire to be included in Hindu temples or religious events. But this does not mean that social exclusion is not being practiced. The point is that the exclusion occurs regardless of the wishes of the ex excluded. India, like most societies, has been marked by acute practices of social discrimination and exclusion. 
At different periods of history, protest movements arose against caste, gender, and religious discrimination. Yet, prejudices remain and often new ones emerge. Thus, legislation alone is unable to transform society or produce lasting social change. A constant social campaign to change awareness and sensitivity is required to break them. You have already uh, heard about the impact of uh, colonialism in various societies. Now, uh, what discrimination and exclusion mean was brought home to even the most privileged Indians at the hands of the British colonial state. Such experiences were of course common to the various socially discriminated groups such as women, Dalits and other oppressed castes and tribes. Faced with the humiliation of colonial rule and simultaneously exposed to ideas of democracy and justice, many Indians initiated and participated in a large number of social reform movements. So here we'll uh, almost focused on four groups who have suffered from serious social inequalities and exclusion, namely Dalits or ex-untouchable caste, Adivasis or tribal communities referred to as uh, like by various tribal names, women and the differently abled. In next section, uh, we'll be talking about in detail about the stratification system and uh, how does that actually work, about social mobility, life chances and all those things. So till then, take care. Thank you for listening. Hi listeners. So you know what? People have long dreamt of an egalitarian uh, society. A society in which all members are equal, such as society, has never exist- existed. All human societies, from the simplest to the most complex, have some uh, form of social inequality. In particular, power and prestige are unequally distributed between individuals and social groups. In many societies, there are also marked differences in the distribution of wealth. So, if we talk about three things, like first one, power. This refers to degrees to which individuals or groups can impose their will on others, with or without the consent of those others. Second, prestige. It relates to the amount of esteem or honor associated with social position, qualities of individuals, and styles of life. Third, wealth. This refers to material possessions defined as valuable in particular societies. It may include land, livestock, buildings, money, cars, and many other forms of property owned by individuals or social groups. Here, we'll be talking about unequal distribution of power, prestige, and wealth in society. So, let's move ahead. Social inequality and social stratification. Now, what does that even mean? It is important at the outset uh, to make a distinction between social inequality and social stratification. The term uh, social inequality simply refers to the existence of socially created inequalities, whereas social stratification is a particular form of social inequality. It refers to the presence of distinct social groups which are ranked one above the other in terms of factors such as prestige and wealth. 
those who belong to a particular group or stratum will have some awareness of common interest and common identity they will share a similar lifestyle which to some degree will distinguish them from members of other social strata the hindu caste system in india provides one example of social stratification system in india traditional hindu society was divided into five main strata four varnas or castes and a fifth group the outcast whose members were known as untouchables each caste was subdivided into jatis or subcastes which in total number many uh, thousands jatis were occupational groups there were carpenter jatis goldsmith jatis potter jatis and so on castes were ranked in terms of ritual purity the brahmins or priests members of the highest caste personified purity sanctity and holiness at the other extreme untouchables were defined as unclean base and impure a status that affect affected all their social relationships they had to perform unclean and degrading tasks such as the disposal of their animals they were segregated from members of the caste system and lived on the outskirts of the village or in their own communities in general the hierarchy of power mirrored the hierarchy of prestige based on notions of ritual purity the brahmins were custodians of the law and the legal system they administered was based largely on their pronouncements inequalities of wealth were usually linked to those of uh, say prestige and power and the brahmins tended to be the largest land owners although the caste system has been made illegal in modern india it still exercises an influence particularly in rural areas as shown by the caste system social stratification involves a hierarchy of social groups members of a particular stratum have a common identity similar interests and similar lifestyle they enjoy or suffer the unequal distribution of rewards in society as members of different social groups social stratification however is only one form of social inequality it is possible for social inequality to exist without social strata for example some sociologists have argued that class system of stratification have broken down in western societies so that there are no longer distinct classes whose members have a common lifestyle or a sense of shared identity however whether classes still exist or not there is no disputing that there are still great differences in the wealth power and status of individual in western society and therefore continuing social inequality stratification system before looking at some of the major issues raised in the study of social stratification it is necessary to examine certain aspects subcultures first in such system 
there is a tendency of for members of each stratum to develop their own subculture that is certain norms attitudes and values which are distinctive to them as a social group when some members of social society experience similar circumstances and problems that are not common to all members a subculture tends to develop studies of class stratification have often focused on the nature of class subcultures and whether they are still as strong as they used to be recent work inspired by the writings of the french sociologist pierre bourdieu has revitalized an interest in the relationship between class and culture social mobility strata subcultures tend to be particularly distinct when there is little opportunity to move from one stratum to another this movement is known as social mobility social mobility can be upward for example moving from the working to the middle class or downward stratification system that provide little opportunity for social mobility may be described as closed and those with a relatively high rate of social mobility is as open in closed system an individual's position is largely ascribed often it is fixed at birth and there is little he or she can do to change status in open systems status is achieved and the individual has some chance of changing their position caste provides a good example of closed stratification system individuals automatically belong to the caste of their parents and accept in rare instances spend the rest of their life in that status in class system social mobility is possible and some people will be upwardly mobile and improve their positions through talent hard work and even good luck life chances a person's position in stratification system may have important effects on many areas of life it may enhance or reduce life chances that is the chances of obtaining those uh, opportunities or status things defined as described desirable and avoiding those uh, things defined as undesirable in their society girth and mills referring to western society state that life chances include everything from the chance to stay alive during the first year after birth to the chance to view fine arts the chance to remain healthy and grow tall and if sick to get well again quickly the chance to avoid becoming a juvenile delinquent and very crucially the chance to complete an intermediary or higher educational grade girth and mills 1954 having considered social stratification and gender terms we will now talk about uh, this particular subject from various sociological perspective inequality and equality gd bowman suggests that out of differentiation of person which is a natural and universal phenomenon inequality or social evaluation of different differences arises they are result of association of individuals to different social groups which are evaluated differently by the society inequality is an important area of study in sociology as it is closely related to poverty deprivation and exclusion as well 
patterns of unequal access to social resources are also commonly called social inequalities. In every society, some people have a greater share of the value, resources like money, property, education, health, and power than others. These social resources can be divided into four forms of capital according to Perry Bordy. Economic capital in the form of material assets and income. Cultural capital such as educational qualification and status. Social capital in the form of network of contacts and social association. Symbolic capital like social status and good reputation. Often these forms of capital overlap and one can be converted into the other. From a well of family that is economic capital can afford uh, expensive higher education and can acquire cultural or educational capital someone with influential relatives and friends can get good reference and land a very good job well-paid job inequalities exist long ago when they have been studied even before the dawn of sociology as a discipline prosud identify two kind of social inequality among people first natural or physical inequality referring to differences of age health bodily strength and mental abilities and second moral or political inequality referring to differences in privileges and uh, these are established or uh, authorized by the consent of people themselves example power and honor talking more about social capital the concept was originally given by james coleman it describes the sum total of relation that exists between individual both within families and outside family in the community and outside the community as well social knowledge and connections also help people to accomplish their goals and extended uh, influence like physical capital it is also an asset as it helps individual to grow in their lives and have better opportunities in terms of employment education Social capital is higher where community bonds are stronger. As per estimate developing, countries are endowed with higher social capital as compared to developed countries. The concept was also used by Perry Bourdieu in describing the four types of capital. Talking more about inequalities in society, it exists in various forms like income, political, economic, wealth, capability and social capital Harara Lambos and Holborn in their sociology themes of perspectives 2014 have clubbed all types of inequalities in two broad types of inequality which are inequality of power inequality of material well-being these inequalities become repressive when they are rigidly enforced caste slavery bondage etc are such examples Inequalities take the form of stratification in a society when they are present in the structure of the society. In different hierarchical patterns, inequalities exist at micro level as well as at macro level. Globally, nations are also divided as first world countries and the third world countries. Dependency theory expresses these inequalities from Marxist perspective. Marxists attribute inequalities in societies to be unequal access to the forces of production according to them opportunities and resources are monopolized by a few at the expense of the others which lead to inequalities in societies 
whereas in functionalist view inequalities in societies are inevitable as they ensure that a kinds of jobs get done in the society inequalities are result of unequal capabilities and uh, of those individuals and they get unequal rewards for that wilkinson and pickett have contested this view in the spin level why more equal societies almost always do better 2010 according to them inequality in society is not only harmful for individual but is also dysfunctional for the society as a whole for example unequal societies have high level of mistrust and as result cooperation and harmony in the society takes a hit according to garen derborn in his the killing fields of inequality 2015 inequalities are produced and sustained socially by systematic arrangements process and distributive actions individual as well collective hence both individuals and collective actions cause inequalities and both structures as well as social actions are causes of it derborn has dealt not only into causes but also consequences of inequalities which he cites in the form of premature death ill health humiliation loss of human rights exclusion from mainstream social life powerlessness and even dehumanization according to him social consequences of inequalities is a violation of human dignity denial of the possibility for everybody's human capabilities to develop to deal with these consequences he suggests that exclusion of the poor from everyday life and seclusion of the elite from the public has to be countered somehow attempts have also been made to measure inequalities especially economic inequalities in objective terms gini coefficient is used by the economists to measure economic inequalities at the national level there are many periodic reports and surveys as well a 2017 report of oxfam titled an economy for the 99% indicates that the richest 1% in india hold 58% of the total wealth excessive inequalities are seen as undesirable in both communist and capitalist societies as it is a potential source of unrest conflict and antagonism Indian constitution mentions reduction of social and economic inequalities as one of the directive principles which state should strive to follow similarly in most of the countries taxation is in the form of progressive taxation which involves taxing the richer at a higher rate and the less affluent at a lower rate similarly social security schemes are run by government in most of the developed countries which aim at uplifting the poor and bringing bridging the economic gap between the rich and the poor in india also many positive discrimination tools are used to minimize social and income inequalities provisioning of reservation pds concessional loans subsidies free education cheaper medicine etc aim at reducing the inequality
Peter Sounder on equality. He identified equality as a multifarious phenomenon and attributed three characteristics to it. First, formal or legal equality. In most modern democracies, this type of equality is de facto there. For example, Indian constitution provides right to equality before uh, the law, but in practice it may not be same as theory. Second, equality of opportunity. It is a symbol of merit-based society, but most of the societies are imperfect on this count. Third, equality of outcome. It is a symbol of an egalitarian society, which provides for equality in terms of outcome as well, irrespective of the efforts put by the members. At the same time, he also identifies the fact that equality or opportunity, uh, equality of opportunity is often in contradiction to the other two equalities. For example, a system of positive discrimination like the many which exist in India also actually discriminates other and hence leads to injustice as well. He suggests solution to this problem by ensuring that people are de facto equal formally and are not denied their legitimate entitlements. So that was all about social stratification, the hierarchies in the society, inequalities, Marxist view, functionist view. Thank you for listening. See you next time.